You're listening to a sermon from Darabin Presbyterian Church. Visit us online for more resources or to get in touch. Today's reading is Romans 13, verses 1 to 7. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honour, then honour. Let's pray as we come before God's word. Almighty God, please bless this, uh, the reading and teaching of your word. Oh, please use your word to mould us and shape us more into the image of Christ. And Lord God, please help us to remember who the one is in authority, that we might live as those who submit to him in everything that we do. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you. For your glory, we pray. Amen. Everyone loves a rebel, don't they? Think Star Wars, the Rebels, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Han Solo, clearly better than the Empire, Darth Vader. They're the bringers of hope and freedom and justice as opposed to the deliverers of tyranny. Think Robin Hood, stealing from the rich to give to the poor. Katniss Everdeen from The Hunger Games. Harry Potter, everyone loves a rebel and no one loves the authorities. Darth Vader, the Sheriff of Nottingham, President Snow, Voldemort. No one loves the authorities. In fact, people loathe them because everyone loves a rebel. Now, admittedly, I'm talking fiction, but I think it still rings true for us in reality. We still love a rebel. Maybe not necessarily those brash protesters I remember trashing university buildings, but certainly that those people who had an outward antipathy towards authority, sticking it up the government, deliberately crossing the line to be out there, but just not enough to be shamed. These people really are the 21st version of 21st century version of living our part of Australia's convict past. We shame the do-gooders and we howl the objectors. Or at least we did. It seems that things have been tipped up on their upside down with COVID-19, temporarily. We've gone from loathing the government and holding a general disdain for following the rules to being do-gooders. Instead of rejecting 
the rules. We now embrace it. We're almost religious in our embracing of the rules. But I suspect deep down, as I said, it's temporary, and I think we all still love a bit of a rebel. And so here we are today, Romans 13, and Paul's command to submit to authority. And as you heard this passage read, what were you thinking? How do you deal with this passage? How should we as the church deal with this passage? How does it help us in these COVID times, in these unprecedented times? Well, previously we've heard Paul's challenge and reminder to the church that the gospel of grace has changed them so that they might live a new and different way. They're different people who live rightly with God and rightly with one another. They live as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to him. As we read in Romans 12, 16 last week, they live in harmony with everyone. And in chapter 13, Paul continues to build on this as he equips the church to live and love. He wants them to understand that the gospel changes everything and perhaps nothing. But in particular, it changes our understanding of authority and living under authority in this world. Let me say that again. The gospel changes our understanding of authority and living under authority in this world. And how does Paul make the case for this? Well, by explaining to the church and us from verse 1, who's in authority, from verses 2 to 5, by imploring them not to rebel against the one in authority, and in verses 6 to 7, to honour the one, the better way, who is in authority. Three things for us to remember, three things for us to explore. Firstly, who's in authority? Let's turn back to the passage again. Verse 1, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. And we're told to be subject, to sit under the one who is in authority. So who is the one in authority? On the one level, it's the governing authorities. But who is the one who establishes those governing authorities? I think Paul is absolutely clear. It is God. God is the one who's established them. He put them there. And you cannot have authority unless God has given it to you. Authority does not and cannot exist outside the maker of the universe bestowing it upon you. As that wise theologian Colin Buchanan wrote, God is the boss. Now, this may seem uncontroversial to you or me, but think about who this was written to in the first instance. For the Christians in Rome, this meant that the very anti-Christian Caesar, Nero, was established by God. He had God-given authority. So he, he required God's people to be subject to him. Now, hang on a minute. Nero was not simply anti-Christian. He was aggressively so. He was wiping them out. And here you have Paul telling them, hey, submit to the God-established authorities. It would be like Paul writing to the German Jews in the time of Hitler or living under Stalin or being the middle class under Pol Pot or the Rohingya in rural China or the minorities persecuted in Burma and saying you need to submit to the government that is trying to eliminate you because God has established them. It's important for us to stop and appreciate this. As the first 11 chapters of Romans has shown, God is sovereign, sovereign over everything, 
and he establishes all authorities. And Jesus, his son, he's made him Lord. He's seated at God's right hand and rules over everything and everyone with all authority. So yes, God is sovereign and he has authority even over Hitler, even over Stalin, dare I say it, even over Donald Trump or Daniel Andrews. Do you, do you believe that? Do you accept that? Do your words and actions reflect that belief or acceptance, the sovereign God? Or do they reflect a deep trust in the Lord, that he is the one in authority, who is over everything and everyone, and sits over the authorities in this world? If not, then maybe it's a timely reminder to remember who God is, to accept who he is, the sovereign God, ruler over everything and everyone. The sovereign God who's at work in spite of the authorities on the earth. Maybe it's time to remember and humble yourself before the sovereign God in, face, in the face of both what we know of him, who he is, his character, what he has done on the cross in Christ. And maybe it's time to humbly bow the knee before the one true God who wields all authority. So who's the one in authority? God is in authority. And as I said, all authority comes from God. Then how do we respond? Well, how we respond is important because it says a lot about how we understand the gospel. It says a lot about how we understand our God. And importantly, Paul's second point is that we shouldn't rebel against the one in authority. But that's not just the point Paul makes. He helps us to, to understand how we respond to God by telling the church what not to do. Let's see in verse 2. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Put simply, don't rebel. Why? Because Paul is saying we are rebelling against God. We're bringing God's judgment on ourselves. That's big. Let's take this apart a little bit more. Paul has spent the first 11 chapters of Romans telling us about the gospel, that we are rebels by nature, that we reject God and refuse to submit to him. We don't think he is good for us. In fact, we think we are good for us. And so we rebel. We don't want to be under his authority. And this rebellion, this rejection means death. But in his abundant grace and mercy, God sent his son, to bear the punishment that we deserve for our rebellion. God rejects Christ so that we may be accepted again. But God's not done yet. No, he then raises Jesus from the dead and appointed him as Lord and King over all creation. And this Lord over creation, as we are told in Matthew 28, is given all authority on heaven and on earth. And it's to this same Lord, as Paul wrote in Romans 10, that we both confess of there's Jesus and now live with him as Lord of our lives. You see, the gospel transforms our understanding of authority because when we follow Jesus, we're saying that he is the one who has authority over us. That we accept that God is sovereign and in control and not us. 
So God is in control and in charge through Jesus, his son, his appointed saviour and king. And God rules the world through the governing authorities. And if God has appointed the authorities, then to rebel against the authorities is to rebel against him. And so when Paul says, consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, the word rebel, rebel, is helpful because it also underscores the seriousness of what is going on. Those who reject God and his authority reject him. They're just like sinners who reject the Lordship of Christ. It's pretty sobering stuff, isn't it? But the word rebel also tells us a little about the church in Rome and what they may have been doing. Namely, that they are rebelling to the extent that they have forgotten the lordship of Christ over everything. They are, so to speak, treating themselves like the boss because they perceive their need to be so desperate. They perceive that their need is greater than God's sovereign plan. Perhaps in amongst this persecution, they actually don't think that God is still sovereign. Perhaps they've forgotten and they think it's up to them to save themselves. It's up to them to fight back. Sound familiar? Sound like COVID-19 and protests to you? Blobs of frustration and attempting to try and take things into your own hands? Sounds like the people protesting last Friday. But it also sounds like us before we came to Christ. We wanted to be sovereign. We needed to be the ones with the authority of our lives, or so we thought. Because it was the only way that we could control our lives. We wanted control. We thought that our way was best. We perceived that we could save ourselves if we were in charge. But thankfully, Paul is not just simply writing to condemn the church in Rome. No, he also wants to remind them of why it matters to keep trusting in Jesus. And that's in verse 3. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then just do what is right and you'll be commended. The consequence of rebellion against the authorities is fear. Fear of punishment for rejecting and rebelling against authority. Paul's argument for not rebelling is pretty straightforward. God has put the authorities over you. And as you know, the authorities punish rebels. And whilst everyone may love a rebel, we all know they live in fear. Fear of being caught. Fear of being punished. Fear of being hurt or others being hurt. And let's be honest. Back then, the fear of the authorities was far more real and far more tangible than probably what we fear now. Because the authorities not just had the power, but exercised power to not just restrict freedoms, but even take your life. But you know what? It's no different for us and how we relate to God. To rebel against God and to reject him, that will lead to punishment. Not simply a fine or a slap across the wrist, but to death. And until that final day of judgment comes, we will lead a life of fear. Because without Christ, 
There's no protection from God's wrath. Without Christ, there's no security in our future. There is no hope of eternity with our creator. And so what is the antidote to fear? The antidote to fear is trust. But trusting in what we know of God, in the sovereignty of God. Trusting in God because we know his character, that he promised to send a saviour and he did in Christ, that he would be raised up from the dead and he was, that he would send his spirit and he has given it to us. Trusting in who God is, trusting in God's sovereignty. And if we trust in God's sovereignty, then by extension, we're to obey the authorities. See, the gospel shapes us that we are motivated by our experience of God's mercy to yet again submit ourselves to the one in authority, his son, Christ the King. And if you do that, if you submit not only, you will, if you submit, you will not only have no fear of God's judgment, but you will be commended for it. And as an expression of your submission to Christ, God's King, you'll also submit to earthly authorities. You will respect and obey them. You'll do what is right. And if you do that, you also have nothing to fear. You'll also be commended. But if you don't hear Paul's warnings, don't be surprised if it doesn't go all that well for you. Don't be surprised if you rebel and find that the heavy end of the hammer administered by God's servant comes down upon you. We see this in verse 4. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. I think this makes sense. It does. Now, as a, the lawyer in me is pleased, is, is happy to see that those who break the rules get punished, that people will pay. But this is also really quite shocking because Paul has described the governing authorities as God's servants for our good. I mean, how shocking for Paul to say not only are leaders like Nero appointed by God, but they are also God's servant for our good. How? In commending those who, who do right and punishing those who do wrong. That's, that's, how they, that's what their good purpose is. But it's sobering to think that the authorities, made up of a premier, a prime minister, a president of a different nation, China, Russia, the USA, they're God's servants. When I think of a servant, I think of Christ, the suffering servant. I think of Paul, a servant of Christ, Jesus. It reminds us of the important role that the authorities play as a part of God's sovereign work and plan. But it also reminds us that just as these people uh, exercise authority, they also serve God. They're also under him and are answerable to him. Verse 5. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. 
Paul has laid out the foundation for not rebelling against the one in authority. We don't rebel because the authorities are appointed by God and serve God as agents of wrath. And they commend us when we do good. Therefore, Paul says it's necessary for us to submit to the authorities for two reasons. Firstly, it's to avoid fear and punishment. And that makes sense. But secondly, it's as a matter of conscience. Now, by this, I think Paul uh, means, I think it's Christopher Ash helpfully explains it by explaining it like this, that it's because uh, your conscience tells you that it's the right thing to do that you submit to the authorities. You see, in light of the fact that God has put the authorities there in the first place, out of a place to honour God in our lives, we also submit to them. We do it because we give the world an indication of which authority we give priority to serving, of which Lord we, pri we prefer. We show the world that we can live quiet and peaceful lives, and we do it also so that our consciences are not put ill at ease. In essence, you can't rebel against the earthly authorities and yet say that you're honouring God. Your conscience will convict you of the inconsistency. If we honour God with our hearts and our lives, then we will submit to his authorities on earth. But what about the times when it's hard to submit? What about the times when the government is downright horrible, unlawful? The government is allowing the killing of unborn children. The government is allowing the environment to be destroyed. The government is denying people their rights. The government is limiting justice. The list goes on. Can we not cry out if we've been hard done by? If we rebel against the government and they come down upon us? Can we ever object to what the government is doing? I mean, objection in the course of history would probably mean that we aren't where we are today without rebellion, without martyrs, without the persecution of the saints, would we even have the Gospels, have the Bible in our own language? So how do we square away the sovereign work of God in providing authorities with terrible governments of the past and present? Can we ever object to what God, or sorry, what the government is doing? What do you do with the Hitlers, Stalins, Pol Pots, Mugabes, Putins of this world? How do you deal with them? Because I think we have to be able to deal with this in some way. And I think there's a couple of things I want to say that speak directly to this. Firstly, the authorities are put in place by God for our good. And that doesn't change because we know the character of God doesn't change. But the corruption of government comes from the corrupting power of sin and not from God. People are flawed like us all before we come to Christ. And we all, where we all want to be, the boss of our own lives and the boss of everything. And that ultimately affects the way the governmental authorities act. 
But I also wonder if it means it should temper the way we as Christians feel in the West or what we perceive to be oppressive authorities. I think it probably means we're just feeling a little bit uncomfortable with persecution and being pressed hard to persevere than it is about the acts of government against Christians. Yes, there's some inconsistency to be had around, say, for example, when the government will open up churches to have church services as opposed to weddings. I understand that. Well, that's different to full-blown persecution. And that's different to, say, the terrible acts that governments commit against people. And just as I said that people are flawed, it's also helpful for us to remember that we all will face judgment. We will all face the wrath of God. Secondly, Paul is not saying that a follower of Jesus blindly follows or accepts what the government is doing. We see through the Bible where governments try to stop God's people from worshipping him, God's faithful people will continue to follow and worship him. And God will honour that. God will preserve them. Take Daniel or Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They were told to stop worshipping God. But they still did it and they were persecuted for it. And God preserved them. Unlike people today who cannot meet in person and find this something extremely objectionable, we have to remember we're still not being prevented from worshipping God like Daniel and co. What really we're experiencing is merely our preference not being allowed. So far we've seen that God is the one in authority. And Paul helping us to see we shouldn't rebel against the one in authority. And instead, really, the better way is for us to honour the one in authority. As I've said, and as we've heard previously in these last few weeks, the gospel changes the way we live. It leads us to live rightly with God and with others. And this brings Paul to his final point. A transformed life means that we pay what we are called on to pay, and the reason for this is the gospel. Verse 6 and 7. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give them full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honour, then honour. What does it look like to honour the one in authority? What does this look like in the life of a Christian to honour God's servants in the government? It looks like paying taxes. It's pretty strange, but it looks like paying taxes. Now, Paul seems to be saying that an outward sign of the transformation of the gospel in our lives, of offering ourselves up as sacrifices holy and pleasing to him, is to pay taxes. And for some of you, I can imagine this sounds a little bit like the gospel of big government rather than the gospel of grace. But I don't think that's where Paul's going. Exactly. We certainly need to obey. But I think rather Paul is really echoing the words of the Lord Jesus 
in Mark chapter 12, where he told people to give to God what is God and give to Caesar's what is Caesar's. In that piece, in that passage, Jesus took a coin and he asked, who is the image on this coin? The answer was Caesar. And his image on the coin meant that it was rightfully his and should be given to him. Likewise, whose image is on us? It's actually God's image. We are made in his image. And so we belong to him and should rightfully give ourselves to him. But, of course, in giving ourselves to God, giving him the respect and obedience and the honour that he deserves, we're also called to give ourselves, as it were, to God's servants in government, giving them the money, respect and honour that they deserve. Jesus was more concerned about whether people had given their heart to God and were saved than he was about temporal power. He was more concerned about the people humbling themselves before their creator God than huffing and puffing about monetary policy. And Paul's the same. That's why Paul draws together taxes and revenue, contentious issues enough. I mean, think about it. The church in Rome was paying tax but that those taxes were then being used to fund a government to actively persecute them. Imagine paying someone to shoot bullets at you. Well, that's what the church in Rome was experiencing. And I don't know about you, but in that context, it seems pretty reasonable to object to paying taxes. You'd object giving Caesar revenue. Don't fund the hand that hits you, so to speak. And yet Paul reminds them that what is ultimately important is love. Ultimately remembering who is the one in authority, who isn't sovereign. That the church has humility to recognise God's sovereign work, though it may not understand it at the time, and in humility honour him with every part of their lives. And this extends not just to Caesar, not just to the church in Rome, but to everyone and to every single person, honour and respect. And Paul can extend this to everyone because this just continues to build upon what it means to live a new and different way, what it means to live as a sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That doesn't mean we can't grumble about the level of taxation. No doesn't mean we cannot criticise the work or failings of government. No. doesn't mean that as God's people, we will willingly pay what is required of us because God has put them in place for our good and for the good of others. I think it does. And let's be honest, as COVID-19 restrictions continue to grip us, though there is some brighter lights on the horizon, there will always be questions to ask about how the government's handled it. But we still go about extending honour and respect. For all their failings, they've been put in place, in that place, for our good. Paul wants the church to understand that the gospel transforms their understanding of authority. But it only does that when they know who the one authority is. It only does that when they know that because of the one who is in authority, they shouldn't rebel against him. And in fact, the better way 
is to honour the one in authority. Everyone loves a rebel. No one loves authority. But that's not so for us. As new creations, we live lives, sacrifice, as holy and pleasing to our God. As new creations, we no longer live in fear. As new creations, we submit to authority and put our rebellion behind us because we know that it is better for God to be the one in authority of our lives than it is for us. Let's pray together now. Oh, great God, we thank you uh, that you are our sovereign. We thank you that you have given us your son, who is Lord, who is a good Lord. And we thank you, you've given us the authorities for our good. Lord God, please help us to remember you. Help us to remember that as you are sovereign over everything, you are also at work for our good, even amongst the authorities and how they act. Lord God, please help us to honour them, but more importantly, honour you with every part of our lives. So that at the end day, we might not be people that live in fear, but we've lived lives trusting in you. Because we also trust in the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.